What's the Supreme Court going to do about abortion? They're not really going to overturn Roe versus Wade, are they? This is Catherine Colbert at a TED Talk event in December of 2021, nearly five months ago. She is a former president for the People for the American Way Foundation, as well as a founding director for the Athena Center for Leadership Studies. They can't do that, can they? I can't tell you how many people have asked me questions like this in recent months. It makes sense. I have argued two abortion cases in the U.S. Supreme Court, including the 1992 case Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is credited with saving Roe versus Wade. I was a co-founder of the Center for Reproductive Rights, and I spent 20 years of my career arguing on behalf of women who needed abortions and other reproductive health care. So my answer is depressing but direct. Roe versus Wade will be dead within the year. The constitutional right to choose whether or not to have an abortion will no longer be protected by the United States Constitution. This court is likely to overrule Roe and Casey or so undermine its meaning that it will be effectively unavailable for use. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mark Explains podcast. I am your host, Mark. And about just nearly four years ago, I started this podcast in hopes of starting conversations that I felt were important. And that has really been at the crux, really the center, the foundation of what this podcast has revolved around. And I feel like the conversation revolving around the topic of this discussion that we have today is at the apex of those topics. In 1973, Roe v. Wade was a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restriction. This decision also struck down many U.S. and federal abortion laws. The decision involved the case of Norma McCorvey, known by the legal pseudonym Jane Roe, who in 1969 became pregnant with her third child. McCorvey wanted to have an abortion, but she lived in Texas, where the abortion or abortion was illegal, except when necessary to save a mother's life. So she filed a lawsuit in a U.S. federal court against her local district attorney, Henry Wade, alleging that Texas's abortion laws were unconstitutional, claiming that it was a breach of privacy, citing the 14th Amendment. This is why she went by the pseudonym Jane, Jane Roe during the trial, as the entire issue of the right to choose to have an abortion is about protecting your rights to privacy, which is protected under the 14th Amendment. In January 1973, nearly four years later, the Supreme Court issued a 7-2 decision in McCorvey's favor, ruling that the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution provides the right to privacy that protects a pregnant woman's right to choose whether to have an abortion. It also ruled that this right is not absolute and must be balanced against government's interest in protecting women's health and prenatal life. The court resolved this balancing test by tying state regulations of abortion to three trimesters of pregnancy. During the first trimester, local governments could not prohibit abortions at all, and that's all states. Uh, during the second trimester, local governments could require reasonable health regulations 
uh, and then during the third trimester, abortions could be prohibited entirely so long as the laws contained exceptions for cases where they were necessary to save the life or health of the mother. The court classified the right to choose to have an abortion as fundamental, which required courts to evaluate challenged abortion laws under the strict scrutiny standard, which is the highest level of judicial review in the United States. The Supreme Court revisited and modified Roe v. Wade's legal rulings in 1992, the decision Planned Parenthood v. Casey. In this case, the court reaffirmed Roe's holdings that a woman's right to choose to have an abortion is constitutionally protected, but they abandoned the trimester framework in favor of a standard based on fetal viability which is generally between 24 and 28 weeks. So before that time, abortion is allowed, and then after that time, uh, the states have the right to put in restrictions. On May 2nd, 2022, this year, Politico obtained a leaked initial draft majority opinion penned by Justice Samuel Alito, indicating that the Supreme Court is prepared to overturn Roe versus Wade nearly a half a century later in a pending final decision on Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization, which is expected to be held by June of this year. A press release from Chief Justice John Roberts the following day confirmed the authenticity of the leaked document, but stated that the draft does not represent a decision by the court or the final position of any member of the issue in this case. Now, there are a lot of deep fundamental implications revolving around this topic that tend to get people passionate on both sides of the subject. And I may have a lot of thoughts about the rights to privacy or intrinsic human rights, but a lot of this topic, almost all of it, literally has nothing to do with me. So instead of giving, giving you my unapologetic opinion, which I am going to do, you will, I am confident that you will hear it later on in this episode, I will leave you with a quote from a post that I came across that resonated with me, and I will leave the link in the show notes. If you don't like the girls, the gays, the theys, and they bother your spirit, that's fine. You don't have to be one of them. If you don't agree with abortions, you don't have to have one. If you don't agree with gay marriage, then don't get gay married. If you feel comfortable with the gender stereotypes that were taught to you as a child, that's good for you. Not everybody feels that way. You can't run around screaming land of the free with your American flag on your shoulder and then vote to take away the freedoms and rights of other people simply because you don't agree with it. And if your opinion comes from a religious background, this is a friendly reminder that freedom of religion means, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that because of my religion. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm sorry, you can't do that because of my religion. Don't tell women you respect them and then vote to take their rights away. This isn't about policy. This is about people. So I'm not going to sit by quietly to appease any friends or family members that are against a woman's right to choose. A friend to all is a friend to none, and sitting quietly is allowing it to happen. 
and I won't do that. This doesn't affect me, but I can see how it affects others, and I have empathy. Have you been following this whole Roe Ro v. Wade? Mm-hmm. I mean... Did you even know what it was before... Roe Ro v. Wade? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a pastor at a church. Of course I knew what Roe v. Wade was. <laughs> That's the... I mean... Yeah. Uh, I don't... So, I don't have intimate um, knowledge and understanding of the, the actual case, but I know what it represents, and I know I understand what it is. Um, and in the last, in the last week, uh, yeah, I followed, um, I followed what's happened. It's a little scary, um, to be honest. I don't think I'm not, let me put it this way. I'm not surprised. Really? No, I'm not surprised because I mean, the Supreme court was loaded before Trump left office and this is what he said he was going to do and what what he said was going to happen. And, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not shocked with a well, see, with an overwhelming majority of conservatives in the Supreme Court that that yeah, this but, happened. This has been decades and decades of the rights protesting and lobbying and trying to get this done, and it's paid off. It it, it happened, so I'm not surprised it happened based on <clears throat> the the layout, you know, of of our government right now. It makes sense that it happened. Yeah, well, it's kind of weird to me. Um, I don't really pay attention to the news too much. I try to keep up with, like, modern events, things that are going on. And I remember seeing this when it first, like, blew up. It was actually a tweet. A friend of mine tweeted. Tweet? Uh, No, it was an Instagram post, I think. Um, Posted something, and it was, like, three stories in a row from a friend who is definitely... um, strong into being an advocate um especially for uh the lgbtq the colored people blm and all those things and all of a sudden she's talking about roe vm and she's posting all about roe versus wade um roe vm roe roe versus wade and i was like why is she posting about roe versus wade and it was like this old memory kicked in from like learning about Roe versus Wade back in school or something. I couldn't really recall what Roe versus Wade was. Um, and I was like, what is she, what is she going off about? And I didn't even know what was happening until like two days later. And I was like, and then everyone was talking about it. And I was like, okay, I should probably pay attention and see what's going on. And I just clicked the first link and I, and it was like uh, the Supreme court justices leaked a document Mm -hmm. and it was a first draft of a document it was an early draft yeah first it was Mm -hmm. the very first draft document um about uh a discussion that they're having on how they're going to how they would like to overturn roe versus wade um in june i believe uh at their at their hearing in june um this year is an election year uh, and, and so I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I was like, oh, this is really interesting because there's so many different implications that are going on 
when it comes to what the, the I mean, how stacked this, this conversation is like what's actually happening. Because at first I was like, okay, I need to go back and refresh mm. what Roe versus Wade is. Because I mean, do you, do you know off the top of your head, like what happened? No, again, so I don't have, like I said, I don't understand quite the history of it. I do know that essentially the Supreme court ruled that abortions are f- a federally protected procedure that that yes. you had a right in any state in the country to have an abortion yeah um with certain limitations that again i don't i don't i'm not yeah. going to pretend like i understand all the details but that's essentially what roe v wade meant was the supreme court had ruled in favor of you know, whoever was suing for the right to get an abortion in that state that they were in. Right. And that made it a federally protected right. Right. Um, in the constitution to then be able to do that. Yeah. So it was even bigger than that though. Um, before this, there was, uh, it was independently. Um, so it was, it was, uh, controlled by state and a Roe versus Wade is a, what it was was uh, is this woman named Jane Roe, but that was it wasn't actually her name. Her name was Norma McCorvey. In 1969, she lived in Texas, and Texas had some stern laws, um, restrictions uh, when it, regarding abortion. And she didn't like the fact uh, that you couldn't remain anonymous if you wanted to get an abortion. You had to declare, and she didn't like that, so she filed uh a uh, she filed a, a lawsuit against um uh the state the prosecutor at the time and it was wade it was henry wade it was the he was the district attorney um uh in the northern district of texas and th- she filed a lawsuit and in 1970 uh the the court the high court in texas um agreed with roe with jane roe uh, Norma McCorvey, but they just didn't do anything about it. And so effectively it just got dismissed. So she appealed right away and it appealed to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. And it took three years for them to finally um, come to a conclusion on the, the what's now called Roe versus Wade. And they all unanimous and it wasn't it was a seven to two um, vote in order to uh, legalize abortion, but it wasn't like across the board. There's uh, stipulations, um, and it's basically broke down to trimesters. And across the board for every state, it is legal in every state currently to get an abortion in the first trimester. And in the second trimester, it is legal to get an abortion with some restrictions, and they leave those restrictions up to the state. And in the third trimester, um, it is not legal. And that's, that's the way, um, and those st- stipulations are protected by the Roe versus Wade, um, uh, change in law. And it kind of became law. It became law at that time, uh, from that decision. And then, uh, 20 years later, 1992, it was reaffirmed through a case called, um, Casey versus Planned Parenthood. But basically this reaffirmed, um, everything. So basically, for the past fifty years, um, we have allowed women the choice to have an abortion. Um, it's it, they call it up until viability, which is between twenty four and twenty eight weeks, um, just right before that third tri- trimester, is when 
uh, women are allowed to get an abortion. Um, they can opt to get that. The thing is, they leave it up to the states to put restrictions in. Mm-hmm. And you get states that are um, welcoming these things, like the state of California uh, makes it easy. So they, they basically say there's no restriction. You can Anyone can come. Um, they don't charge anything. And then you get states like Texas that say, well, these laws coming from a federal level are still laws, but we're going to put a restriction that says we're going to, you know, we're going to put a bounty on anyone going to the clinic and pay people $10,000 to turn those people in, which is insane. Like, so it's not illegal in Texas to get an abortion, but they put restrictions in place that become a criminal offense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that in an episode with Andy when that happened. Yeah. That was that was like our first big political episode. Like yeah. we hit three things all at once. <laughs> and that Texas vaccines. law, yeah, the vaccines, that, and then I think, I don't know. Afghanistan. So, yeah. Um, but that Texas law was really restrictive up to so many weeks or, or whatever it was. And then that bounty. So I learned this week that something like 20, 20 or 22 states have laws on the books right now that are called trigger laws. Yes. So these, tr- this is crazy. It's actually, so, it's just bounced to 26. Yeah. 26 states, so more than half. Yeah. So these trigger laws essentially mean that it's an if-then law, mm-hmm. where it is currently the law that if Roe v. Wade is overturned ever, mm-hmm. that these, you know, massive restrictions go into blanket place. Blanket bans. Up to, yeah, blanket bans or, you know, just making it extremely difficult for well, not, someone. Well, not just difficult. Um, in a lot of states, it becomes criminal. Yeah. Well, I mean, in any, t- you know, you can leave the state, but mm-hmm. that's not typically the people, women who are looking to have an abortion are not women with the means to necessarily leave the state right. and go somewhere across the country um, to get that service. Typically, the people who, you know, are seeking out an abortion are, people without any means at all or well, yeah. very little yeah of course um you know i i don't it's it's always been a a strong argument um from those that are in favor of making abortion a choice is that you're not banning abortion you're banning safe abortion and that's that is the mm-hmm. truth because for those that can afford it they're going to travel to get it so um and overwhelmingly in america it's the people of color that uh, the women of color that uh, have more abortions and then also don't traditionally have the means as much to travel. Um, And just looking at statistics, that's what it says. And so you end up with uh, the minority groups being affected the most. Um, Now, before we go any further, I do want to say we are two white men. We say that a lot. (laughs) I know, but it's important in this conversation because we are talking specifically about the things that affect women on this planet. And uh, so we are, we are two white men talking about this, but I think it's important as white men. Someday we need to have an episode where we talk about just things that impact us. <laughs> like, man, my golf club membership expired. I don't even Tesla got a flat tire. Three. God, I got three <laughs> in two weeks because of Michigan's potholes. Oh man. Don't even tell me about it. And those tires are stupid. Stupid expensive. Yep. 401k's down. Oh, a little bit. Golly. <laughs> what are we gonna do? But I wanna talk I wanna talk about 
the reasoning behind uh, this Justice Alito and why he, uh, like, first, first, right off the bat, do you know how many times they've leaked a document? This like the Supreme Court it almost never happens. Not almost. Yeah. Never. Like this has never happened. There before. have been leaks before, but this is not like this. No. The, yeah, this not in this way. Very direct, and it's yeah, it's I not mean, common at all. Like, and for them to uh, very quickly uh, acknowledge that it's a real document. I mean, they didn't even deny it. Did they say something? Because up until a couple Imme- of days ago, they didn't say anything. Immediately that well, they confirmed it was a real document. They didn't say. Oh. They didn't say anything about it. They just like, yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't even try to deny it. Um, so there are nine Supreme Court justices, and there are four uh, assistants to each justice. So that means there's 36 assistants, and nine gives us 45 people. And there has never been a leak. Mm-hmm. Not like this. In the history of the Supreme Court. And never. And all of a sudden... There is a document leaked, and it's the first draft. That's the most important thing. A lot of time, a lot of times, these drafts go through twenty iterations before they are mm-hmm. uh, released and ju- and uh, voted on. Mm-hmm. So we're we're seeing the very first one. Okay, we are in an election year. Like all of the bells and whistles are going off for me, and I'm like, okay, this is a smokescreen. There is something going on, and they want to catch our attention. And it worked and it worked brilliantly because like, how do you catch the attention of a politically divisive country? If you want them to look to the left while you do a sleight of hand to the right, how do you get their attention quickly? It's going to be like one of two or three topics. The vaccine is the vaccine topic is kind of bled out. And like people aren't really paying attention to that anymore. Masks are dead. Like the pan, the pandemic really isn't, it's like the, how do you get them? Abortion will always be a divisive issue. I mean, I think that there's one or two, like you could do guns, you know, you, you could, you know, stage a, a, a mass shooting or something like that. And that, that'll, you know, cause division in the country, but not like abortion because abortion, it hits every, it hits every woman, not only in this country, but in the, well, I guess it would be in this country. It hits all the rights of the women in this country all at the same time and it really really quickly can cause division left or right and so i'm like this feels like a smoke screen this feels like a sleight of hand and i'm like what are they doing that they just grabbed everyone's attention and pulled it away from and so like i would the first thing i did was like i went and looked at like what what's congress voting on this week or like what bills are the, are the Senate introducing? And there was so many and so much going on. Like I couldn't even sift through it. Like there's just, and just so much, so much going on. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I mean, with that said, like I, this isn't something that interests me a whole ton. Like I'm, I have a thousand other things going, but I at least wanted to be like, I wonder if there's like one thing that's just like blatantly standing out that they are just toying with us because this hasn't been overturned. This is just a draft of a conversation they are having. Mm, it's more than that. I mean, there's, it's there's, going at this point is going to yeah, happen. It, it explains who's voting on, on which side of this. Right. And it, there's a dissent by different justices and you know, there's Scalia's. Yeah. Like or, this is, 
very, 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 very likely going to happen. Yeah. But it hasn't yet. Like, so how, how do you stir the country quickly? You leak a document in a way that something has never been leaked before. So what's your theory? What's this? I don't theory? have one. Okay. So to me, I'm not a political strategist, right? I'm just a guy. But this makes me think that, like, if this happens, even the conversation about it potentially happening, it makes me think that it pulls lots and lots of votes to the left. You think so? I think that it makes people... It's When people go to the polls... I think that something like this happening fires people up the way Donald Trump fired people up, hmm. right? Donald Trump got elected and then, you know, following that there's, you know, people, people on the left went out to vote because we have to get rid of this guy. They really did. And then, and then this, something like this happens and it's very handmaid's tale-ish, you know, we're going to take rights away from women. At least that's how the left is definitely going to view this. Sure. So they're going to go out and vote. And I, so I think that when you when you introduce something like this, it fires up people on the left and people on the right are probably more complacent going, hey, cool, we got our way. We got well, what we wanted all these years. Yeah. Things are good for us right now. Well, without Congress ratifying it into actual law, which they don't have the numbers for right now, um, uh, like they could cast a vote, but they need uh, 60 and they don't have it. So they could they could Wait, Congress ratifying what into law? Uh I was just reading up on this. So Roe versus Wade is a constant. It's it's not a constitutional law. It is a law put into place uh, through the Supreme Court, which is in a sense, um, it is in a sense still a law, um, but it's put into place by the Supreme Court. The Congress can ratify it, and it becomes um, it'll be it'll become what's what's known as I believe common law, which is different from Supreme Court law. Uh, once it's ratified, it can't be voted against out from the Supreme Court. It becomes common law for all people. If Supreme Court voted a law in, they can vote it out in the same way. But if Congress votes a law in, it's in until it can be either voted out by Congress or changed by Congress. And so how you do this is you you can vote a um, law in, you can ratify it by voting it into Congress, but Congress doesn't have the numbers right now. They would need 60 and, and they don't have 60. So they, they could, um, uh, for, they could force the filibuster, and, but have 50 and, the, and they could pass it through 50, but we don't even have those numbers. I say we, uh, I am not a Republican, but, uh, or I'm not a Democrat. Um, but th the law could be pushed through with those numbers. Yeah. Okay. So, Sorry, I'm. I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, um, please. It's so. What would happen essentially is, um, it would not be this law. It would be correct. So the Supreme Court can overturn Roe v. Wade. Has nothing to do with Congress. Congress. Correct. Congress can't do anything about what the Supreme Court says or correct. does. In that sense, um, but when I say could, when I say ratify, I mean they quickly write a law that mimics this exact law. Yeah. Um so the court the court could overturn overturn Roe v. Wade essentially making abortion not federally protected. Correct. Congress could um could pass a bill down mm -hmm. the road that that makes it, it federally protected. And it would have that to be would go, quick. That would go to the Supreme someone would 
immediately challenge that law. Correct. And that would go to the Supreme Court. Correct. So and without it, a change in the Supreme Court. And then it wouldn't, it wouldn't pass. Right. right. Because of those checks and balances. Right. right. So we are at a stalemate right now, and this is going to be overturned. And, and for a lot of the deep, deeply conservative uh, Republicans, this is like a massive win. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the idea and why that's that the concept of what they call pro-life. And I'm saying they creating a separation of myself. I am not, again, I'm not on the left. I'm saying they, as I just don't associate with Republicans at all. So the, the deeply fundamental harm that is in the idea of pro-life and first of all why it's called pro-life it's it's not pro-life it's well, it's just marketing it's just brand it's y- y- just branding. yes because it's like pro-life or pro-choice really it's pro-choice and anti-choice is really what this is about um because if it was about the baby in any capacity if it was about that child then we would we would have incredible programs for uh the mom through uh through the, the pregnancy there would be no medical costs for the birth. Then there would be tremendous amounts of programs for the child once it's born. Let alone we wouldn't be bombing cities in the Middle <laughs> East and killing you know, thousands of babies. Well, those aren't American babies, so mm-hmm. that can be justified. Um, or putting children in cages. and you know. Although, again, not American, so that's okay. That, that, that's okay to the political. And for people who get mad that I said that, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, that's, that was an Obama policy. Yeah, I, 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 hate, I hate them too. <laughs> Don't, the I'm, entire concept of, the, yeah. of it happening is terrible. Yeah. So th- the idea that, you know, and if you read a lot of uh, Justice Alito's, uh, his draft, um, uh, he says it was egregious from the beginning that Roe versus Wade was ever uh, implemented, was ever put into law. And uh, the idea that abortion is made legal um, goes against all of the historical foundations of the way this nation was uh, put into place. And in a lot of senses, he's right. Mm. Like, it, it, he's he's talking like he and, he and he talks a lot in the, in this in this draft about how we need to go back to the roots of this country and in a lot of senses if he, if he is reflecting on the historic roots of America yes then he is right we need to get rid of uh we need to get rid of of legalized abortion but i mean to put this into perspective women weren't able to apply for a credit card until the year after Roe versus Wade was passed. So that's how recently women's rights are coming into play. Yes, the 19th Amendment talks about women's having rights to vote, but in practice, <clears throat> like us Americans, we as Americans have not have not viewed women as equals in any capacity and still don't mm. because we pretend by putting policies and putting laws in place like Roe versus Wade. And then once that, once that law is in effect, we fight about it for 50 years, secretly planning on overturning it the moment there is any hint of having enough, enough votes on one side, we're going to quickly overturn it. Why? Because we have to protect the life. And that's kind of what I want to hit on real quick. Um, I, I know that, that the video that, uh, 
we first showed in the beginning uh, that, that we all heard in the beginning, um, it speaks on like, uh, it speaks on the right, uh, the political right, all always wanting to control women. And I don't necessarily agree with that because this is, again, comes back to intent versus impact. Um, you know, I was raised fundamentally, fundamentally religious. It had nothing to do with controlling women. It had like, you have to understand like the intent of this is not, there's no intention of controlling women. The intention is we must preserve life at all costs and it's at all costs. But it's not just like specifically life. It's it's like the infant, the the unborn child. For whatever reason, we the the politically right has become fixated on the unborn child. Well, it's not for whatever reason. It's for, for very specific reasons. Well, yes, in, of course. In the eighties, the Republican Party realized that they could hijack this issue and leverage it to gain the evangelical and Catholic and, you know, the vote, the, the vote, right? That, right. That's what, it, that's what happened up until then. It was not a heated issue. No, no one, no one, no one put that, that much thought or argument into it um, until the, the Republican party, the GOP, you know, in the eighties decided this is now how we're going to leverage people. To, to control votes and they did a fantastic job now it makes me think okay well if you if if this happens now what are you gonna you know how, how are you gonna then i mean we're so divided that does it really matter you know life today in america is nothing like it was then well, not as even far the as 80s, like, right yeah like as far as how people how heated people are and how entrenched people are in their views and how unwilling to listen to reason i just think for one, in in the 1980s, people weren't um, seeing seeing media constantly all day from all over the country, and you know these hot button issues just constantly in your face. It was just a, such a different world. It wasn't. It wasn't, it right. wasn't like that. Well, yeah, that's not going away, right? That's going to get worse. That's only going to get worse. <laughs> How well, it could get worse? It can. I mean, <laughs> think about you know pre 2020. And yeah. all that's happened, it you is know, it is getting worse. You know, we're on a train that is out of control. Well, this this idea, this concept of preserving the life, it's not really preserving life. It's it's preserving their ability to control the vote. And and the reason why I say it's not about life is because if it was about life, there's so much more going on here. Mm-hmm. Because what, what, really, what it should be about is. Not 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 about life, but about quality of life. Mm-hmm. Like they should be focused on preserving the quality of life because life is not inherently good or bad. Life is is just there, and for whatever whatever reason, that has become a thing. Like no, we must preserve life. Life sucks. Like like I I could put you in a cage and feed you just enough to keep you alive and I'm preserving life but I'm mm. awfully cruel like yeah. and, and, you know an ectoptic uh, uh, pregnancy can lead to uh, the death of the mother and of the child and preserving life leads to more death or can lead to the death of the mother and the life of the child and then the child dies after pregnancy what about that like there's so many there's so many possibilities here like i i, I am far less concerned with with preserving the life 
than I am preserving the quality of life, not just of the child, but first of the mother. Mm. We need to first look at the quality of the life of the mother, because what about this? What about preserving the life of that child? And the mother has no say on whether she can have that child or not. And this is not a rape. This is not, um, uh, you know, this is just uh, uh, the birth control didn't work. Like, like this young girl who had to pay for the birth control, first of all, it didn't work because maybe she missed one or maybe, um, maybe, I mean, maybe she took all of them. I mean, it's not, it's still like 96 or 97% effective, which statistically speaking is you have sex a hundred times you're likely to get pregnant. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, so she has, so this young woman now has no ability to control whether she has the option of going through with this or not and she's uh barely making any money and she's in a and you know let's for an example she's like this young woman is in an abusive relationship or in a terrible like she has no ability to hold a job and now you're bringing this child into the world that is going to grow up in poverty and you are it's not about life it's about votes because if it was about quality of life, if you actually cared about that child, then you would put programs in place. You would put the ability to get birth control across the board and ubiquitously free to to all these females. And then you would make it easy for, for these women. If you want to say, okay, abortions are going to be really difficult to get not necessarily illegal, but let's say make them really difficult to get, then you, then you support the shit out of that, out of the, out of the women in the country. You give them every possible option to not have a child and not have the option of abortion. You give them all of the birth control. You give them um, every type of contraception that is available. And then on top of that, you throw every program at them that, that can support them through the pregnancy. You give them food. You give them money. You, you give them rides to the hospital for checkups. You, the entire birth is free. Everything is free. And then feeding the child and, and, and child care while that, while that person goes to work. What about all that? See, like you are not, this is not about life. Mm-hmm. I think so in the last um, episode we did where we touched on this, I had a bunch of stats pulled up and, spoke to this i don't have those stats with me right now yeah um but if you're listening to this and you want to hear that go go back to that episode um where we talked about uh nothing that was (laughs) uh light we thought everything was heavy (laughs) um but you know i've always found it really ironic that the policies so like if the right cares about pro-life and you know, the, the abortion issue and the left pro-choice and um, the, the actual policies of more, like, Democratic politicians, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, um, these policies and the things that the left pushes for tend to be more healthcare-related, support-related, um, you know, helping people who don't have as much money in their actually historically is a lower amount of abortions under democratic presidents and under democratic controlled congresses that's just by the numbers yeah and that's that happens because under those policies and under the like when when we have 
um, more opportunities to help people with less money, there's less of a need for abortions in the first place. And that's just right? it. Yeah. It does, so if you really care, and you know, I'm not saying this to try to like, I'm not trying to be political. I'm not trying to like, you know, force Let's a viewpoint. But, you know, to me, if you care about there being less abortion, I don't think anyone is saying, you know, yay abortions. Like there's crazy circumstances where someone said, you know, like where <laughs> a crazy ways, you know, woke person will, you know, have some reaction or dance or think it's a great thing that there's that there's an abortion. But in general, in the general population, no one is excited and happy that no. there's an abortion ever. I think acro- that's not across the board. Right. There's crazy Democrats, people on both sides. Right. There's but, people who bomb abortion clinics. Yeah. And there's people who dance, you know, over over baby bodies. Yeah. Right. They're they're both nuts. They're yes. both insane, <laughs> and they are not representative of what actual no. people think. No. Right? I, I, I say it, this. I say this widely, but it's not everybody. But n- nobody wants to kill a baby. No one does. Like those that are pro-choice, they don't want to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. Yeah. So in general, if you want less abortions to happen, you should eliminate the circumstances where abortions happen. Not go not to the source. Take away take away the right of the person to choose that one way or the other. Um, we're fixated on the wrong things. Right. When we're trying so hard, you know, to put people in place who are going to take abortions away. Then, then they they're also the people who take away the programs that help people to not need abortions. Yeah, they take the everything place. away, right? Yeah, like like we're fixated on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Like we're fixated on the idea, like uh, yes, we have to take away the abortion right, or we need to let the women choose whether they can have an abortion or not. I'm like, why are we even focusing on this? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is so far down. If you look at it, like Planned Parenthood. And all of the things they do and how much money Planned Parenthood spends on abortion, it is it is like a fraction. It's like 3% of their budget. We are focusing on the wrong fucking things. We should be focusing on how to support the American women pop the woman population, full stop. How to how to how to dress them up to be fully supported. In, a, in an area that I know nothing about. Because for some reason, we have placed the entire burden of pregnancy and uh, and avoiding pregnancy on the female, mm-hmm. which is a wild, wild concept to me anyway. Well, there's a lot of meme. I mean, that's the, that's the meme of it. Like, that's the joke. You know, if you, if you tried to regulate a penis... You know what? Like the, nothing's gonna happen. Like obviously, there's no one's trying to like regulate men in this in any way. Yeah. So even though so, so let's let's get this straight. Um, we as a society are collectively agreeing that women they they are the ones that are getting pregnant. They're reproducing. Uh, uh, but it's their responsibility. It, societal responsibility to control that. So if they don't want that to happen, they need to get some sort of contraception birth control, which is terrible to the hormones Mm -hmm. and the hormone balance of the female. And IUD is terribly painful. And, and, and and there are instances where 
uh, IUDs can really have damage to the fallopian tubes um, or damage to the uterus itself. Um, it is on the woman's responsibility to control that because they're the ones getting pregnant, of course. So they need to control it. And then if they do get pregnant, no, you don't have a choice. So we are putting the responsibility onto them to control it. And then if by some chance something goes through and they do end up pregnant for whatever reason, now we're taking the choice away and saying, oh, you must stay pregnant until all the way through and then have the baby. The moment the baby is born, here is a massive bill for the pregnancy, all of the checkups, you're left with a bill. And then also you're on your own to literally raise this kid with absolutely no help. Good luck. Mm. That makes sense. How does that make sense? How does that possibly make sense to where that is getting back to the roots of this country? How would, how is that getting back to the roots of this country? Well, I mean, I think the argument would be, well, you know, the argument is usually, it's um, about life and I get it. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's a blame game. So it's, it's, you made the choice to not have a good job or to not apply yourself or to not like, there's never any consideration taken for the, you know, people are in circumstances that they don't have any control over. Sometimes. They didn't choose and, to be born. Yeah. They didn't choose to be here. They didn't choose to be a woman. We just should be past this by now. Like, like we're um, never going to be past this man. So I'm a, I'm a fan of star Trek. Do you watch any Star Trek? Do you, are you? I don't. No, I wasn't raised on it. I wish I highly, was, highly recommend the, Star the new Trek. One? All of them. So oh, okay. I've watched all the like. I'm a, I'm a big Star Trek fan. Watched all the old Star Trek, all of the Next Generation Star Trek, Voyager, all of it, and the new ones are great too. I love Star Trek. So as I'm watching Star Trek, one of the things that's hard to digest is that this is a society that has just figured out. You know, we can just take care of things now. We can just take care of people. And all around the world, right now, in 2022, countries have figured this out. How to just take care of, like, the healthcare needs of people, the basic living needs of people. Um, we're a rich society. But somehow, in our country, we're leveled down to this place where we can't, we can't, we can't do that. Because it's this individual responsibility thing and it, and that's just a fancy way of saying, you know, you're not you're not able or worthy or um making the right choices to be able to have basic life needs like yeah. healthcare. Um I have <laughs> I have a a bill for my shoulder surgery that I had. Oh yeah. It's like 3-year-old bill. It's like 200 bucks, right? I could pay that bill. I'm not paying that bill. <laughs> Fuck them. Do you need like two hundred dollars? No, I don't need. No, I could pay the bill. The point, like, I really, on principle, I'm like, you know what? This is fucking bull. Like, I had to have this thing. Like, you know, if I didn't have this surgery, my arm would be fucked up for the yeah, rest, for of, the my rest life, of your life. Yeah. Right? I have no choice. Either I, either I do this surgery, um, and you know, fix my arm, which didn't really even work. Right? My arm is still fucked up. I still can't. You know, I still can't, I don't have full use of my, my arm and I never will for the rest of my life. Um, 
but that's the choice you're given. And that's not a real choice. Like either I, you know, do this and pay a lot of, thank God I had good health insurance and you know, it is only a $200 bill and I'll probably pay it at some point when they send, you know, a collection letter or whatever. Um, but in, in lots of other places in the world, we have figured out, you know, that we can just, we've evolved beyond this primitive notion of it has to be your, um, you have to pull yourself up by your boot. You know, there's just, that's just not real. That's not real life. There are circumstances and there are things that happen that you don't get to choose. And, you know, why can't, as an extremely rich society, why can't we do that? Why can't, you know, I pay, um, I pay health insurance premiums and then I have a deductible and then I have co-pays and, you know, by the time I've paid all of that, I've done the math, <laughs> right? You've paid more than it would have cost. I've paid more than if I, if I had put in, you know, 10% of my income additional in taxes yeah. to cover, to have, to have a single payer, you, you know, healthcare yeah. system yeah. where, the, where we're on like a Medicare for all kind of system. Um, and I don't make a lot of money, right? People who, people who make a lot of money would pay more. Yeah. Right. So it just, it blows my mind. You know, I think the greatest robbery of our generation is the DNC fucked us out of Bernie Sanders. But <laughs> Anyway, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> my my point is, um, you know, why it's just so frustrating that we can't take care of the needs of people that we could take care of. But it's this idea that is lobbied for and pushed this capitalistic idea that, you know, and really it all comes down to lining the pockets of rich people. That's well, really what it comes down to. Well, see, I mean, all of this comes it's, down it to that. It all comes down to a vote. It's it's kind of it all honestly stems back to that conversation we had um that was uh um oh what what was the episode i did the written house effect mm -hmm. where i was talking about people who turn on they don't know how they, they don't know how to feel about something mm -hmm. so they turn on the news and be like tell me how to feel because i don't have the time or energy to do the real research so they turn on their trusted news source and then and then their trusted news source just tells them how to feel mm -hmm. and um I, I think about i think about this and it all comes back i'm like why are we even talking about this? Because before 1969, before 1973, before Roe versus Wade, um, th this wasn't a topic that people were talking about. Um, this wasn't something that was hot at all. Like, like this was just something that, uh, that um, Jane Roe brought to the surface and said, hey, this needs to change because this isn't right. And then society represented by the seven Supreme Court justices said, yes, we agree. And so they made it law. And then 10 years later, there was a false dichotomy presented in order to create more of a divide in order to create more votes. And like in order to get really good votes, you have to appeal to people's emotional stance. Like if I can get you an emotional reaction, then I can get your vote. And how do you create an emotional response with somebody is if I can tie in something that is, it, 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 it's so small, like, and I, and I say this lightly, but like the, the topic of abortion should not be as big as it is. It should be like, if, if, if you need an abortion, I'm so sorry for what you've went through. Here's the path to go get it. Please take care of yourself. And then, and then we should be, 
fully supportive, fully paid for. And then we move on. Like not, I'm not saying like move on with your life, but like we move on to bigger topics as a society. But the fact that we are focusing on this tells me that they are, they are inflating this topic in order to divide, in order to create more votes. And how do you do that? You appeal to people's emotional response. And if they can tie this topic to a religious ideology, like you were talking about in the 1980s, if you can tie it to that, all of a sudden, no, this is life. Those people over there, they don't care about life. Mm. We care about life. You can't kill the infants. You can't kill the, the, the fetuses because that's life. And there's, there's, no, there's no science behind this. Mm-hmm. Like, like everything that they're talking about is, is completely based in fabrication. Like there's, there's no logic behind this. They're not really pro life. They are pro vote. They are pro. How do we, how do we manipulate the mind to get an emotional response so that we can manipulate your vote? Mm-hmm. Because if, if like they didn't have them, they didn't have the Christian conservative vote yet. How do we get it? Oh, we know. We know how to get it because the Christians are all about life. Let's twist the wording of abortion and make it this massive issue. And all of a sudden for the past 40 years, because before the 1980s, it wasn't big. Even after Roe versus Wade, it wasn't very big. It was just, it was brought to the surface. And then everyone's like, oh yeah, well, of course this should be a thing. Yeah. I think kind of the heart of the conversation here and the issue is that um, this next six months we are going to see an uprise because women deserve to have the rights. But the fact that we're even having this conversation like frustrates me. Like, why are we even talking about the fact that women should be able to control what's going on with their body? Of course they should. Like, that's ridiculous. Like the idea that we're even controlling. Oh, excuse me. Jesus. Pete, I burped. <laughs> I'll edit that one out too. <laughs> The idea that we're even controlling women's bodies to gain a political vote Mm. is at the core one of the most evil things you can do. And yes, conservatives, I am saying this right now. Your leaders are evil for conflating an idea and using it to manipulate the minds to gain a vote. Because there's no science behind saving a fetus is is a good thing in any capacity because the human body, uh, it was upwards of 35 to 40% of all pregnancies spontaneously die within the first six weeks because of nano nan, nanotube fibers that don't form uh, within the, the, the walls of the heart. The six week old zygote doesn't form and it just naturally flows out and it looks like a period, but that was a pregnancy 35 to 40%. So, so it's not this isn't about life. Yeah. So what I'll go back to what I was going to say cuz it came back to me and it's it's related to this. I think a lot of people have a hot take like what they think, their opinion about when it is okay, when it isn't okay, maybe it's never okay. Everyone kind of has like a criteria that they've landed on or some people don't have a criteria and they struggle with it, right? You know, in cases of rape and incest and you know at a certain time period or what whatever the case may be and the fact that we can sit here in this room two dudes and 
we could have that conversation where we think it's what it's what's okay and when the science behind it um the reality is that in and of itself that everyone has that opinion is kind of bullshit and frustrating because again we're not talking about you know at what age should every male get a mandatory vasectomy and then get it reversed mm. when they're ready to have kids mm. right why isn't that the conversation? You know, the, it's, well, we can talk about that. It's. I'm just saying, like, you know, at the end of the day, um, I whatever my opinion is about what is right or wrong, I I struggle with it. Right. Right. It's messy. It is not a clean thing, be, because you know there there are cases where um, someone someone is pregnant, and it is known that that baby is not going to live right very long right. or they'll have a you know they have a condition or they have yeah. you know and it would be more painful and miserable for that it would be that that baby when they're born would be in extreme pain right in a horrible life right. for minutes or hours yeah or days suffering. in pure suffering yep and right then die and you tell me what's what's right you know what is okay and that is it the same it's so you know there is no there is no black and white to this and well at the end of the day blanket bands make it black and white right at the end of the day that's why i land on pro-choice because i can't try to legislate what i think is right or moral right it's um I used, I've had the same conversation about homosexuality as a pastor. I had this conversation many, many times with people who, I, you know, I was a very left-leaning person for a pastor, sure. right? Um, and I had lots of conversations about this where it came down, you know, the the gay issue in the church. Um, and, it, and it would always come down to you can't legislate. I don't think you can try to legislate what you think is right or wrong. That's not how legislation works. Banning gay marriage doesn't make gay people less gay. <laughs> right? Makes it, makes it harder for right. them to get married. Right. That's all. And so in the same way, you can't take something as as messy as abortion and and say that there's one thing that is okay or isn't okay. I just don't think you can do that. And I don't think that it Again, I don't think it's, I don't deserve to have that conversation or be a part of that. I can, I can supply what I think and I can have, you know, that's fine. But again, no one is talking about, you know, what I do or don't do with my reproductive ability. And, and so I think that's what this really comes down to. And well, I've, I've said this before. I don't know where I stand when it comes to like, like I'm not saying pro-life versus pro-choice. I don't really know where I stand when it comes to this whole thing because it's, it's so ridiculously complex, but I will tell you one thing. Women have the right to choose full stop. And that has nothing to do with if I understand or don't understand because the, the more, the further I dive into this, the more confused I get. And I mean, talking about the science, the science behind, um, uh, conception and uh, the zygote and the infant and growing and at what point does that infant have uh, personhood 
because we're not really talking about, I mean, and you know, like a lot of the, the narrative is revolves around like we, you can't abort any child ever because those children have souls. And, uh, you know, in, in the moment on, on the moment of conception, there's a soul. I don't really know where I stand with all this stuff, but I don't really care. Like that, that's not really the conversation here because my opinion on when a child, when the soul comes into the child or that, that that's, that's neither here nor there. Like we're really talking about what denotes personhood and what is morally and ethically right when it comes to abortion. But ultimately that doesn't even matter because at the end of the day, the majority of women that are getting abortions are not the ones that are like the, the the rape or the incest. That's not, it's women that it's unplanned, Mm. unplanned pregnancies. It's unplanned and it's unmanageable. It's like being pregnant. It really like having a child at will is, is, is really um, only fit for those who have money. Mm. And that's really what it is. I mean, if you don't have money, if you don't have a surplus, it, having a child is a burden. And it's really a burden that cannot be fit for those who are underprivileged. And so if you if your birth if you're on birth control and like you somehow manage to find to get birth control and you do it and you use it and it and it's ineffective and you end up pregnant, now you can't have a child. Or, or now you can't get an abortion and you must have the child. It's like basically the government is saying we are re- we are requiring you to go further into poverty because you made the decision to have sex, right? And it, it's there's such a level of dehum like dehumanization in what's going on here. And what we're doing is we're dehumanizing those who don't have a choice. They already didn't have a choice, like. Those that are below the margin, those that are in poverty, already don't have a choice, and that and now they're stuck with this the being pregnant and not having a choice to get rid of it. Now they're stuck into a life of raising a child into poverty, and because that's what we're talking about. But we're not we're not talking about those with means, because those with means will go to states that can do this. You know, they'll go to uh, you know Illinois or California, and and, and they'll they'll travel there. They'll get there. It's those without means. And so you're, t- you're starting with people that don't have means and you're re- that don't have choice because money is choice, really is what it is. Money gives people choice. And so you're, re- re- you're removing more choice. You're taking more choice away and you're dehumanizing more people in order to get a vote. And that at the core of what this issue is, is deeply evil. And that's where I stand. Hmm. Yeah, sucks real big. So sucks, what? Do, so what do we do? Really big. What do we do as a society? I mean, like, how, like I saw somebody, like one of my good friends. She was like, "So when do we riot?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm surprised there haven't been big, like bigger protest. You know, well, at I'm, the I'm, level of like, I'm glad there. I'm glad there hasn't been riots. A couple summers ago. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah. there needs to be protests. But at the ah. You know, I, I have all these mixed feelings because like protests are just going to lead to, oh man, I have a lot of burps. I'm so sorry. Like uh, protests are just going to lead to people ultimately rioting because they are extremists. Mm-hmm. And there's also going to be people out there that are going to riot because they just want to riot. 
And it's always said it like one side or the other side initiated. Someone, oh, yeah. Someone put a pallet of bricks there. Oh, or, they did know. this and that. And it's going to cause more division. Like it's it it, yeah. it it almost like I wonder if it doesn't even it almost harms more than helps. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like the like the, you know, the left said that it was uh, Proud Boys that put pallets of bricks and flint you know fires and stuff during the blm protests of 2020 and then you know the left said that the that the right or sorry the right said that the left um antifa uh, are the, the ones, ones that, that really rioted the Capitol building. <laughs> so that was, the that other. was a funny one. Yeah, it's Antifa, always the other side. Antifa it. was the ones with the Trump signs. <laughs> That's a funny one. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to uh, fact check myself real quick. Go. Um, earlier I said um, Justice Scalia had written an opinion uh, in the draft, and that was wrong. Justice Scalia died in 2016. <laughs> it was Justice Alito, and I mixed that up. So Alito, yep. He's, he's the one that... Yep. Uh, drafted the entire. Yep. Yep. So not not speaking as a uh, as a society, but like, what what do we do? Like me and you through this. Like, how how do we properly respond if they overturn Roe versus Wade and the twenty six states implement? Michigan is one of the states that's going to implement widespread bans. And now Michigan's going to be a weird one. We don't have the trigger law. We do. Uh, Michigan is on the list, but it's not it's not the standard trigger law that you're going to see in like Texas or Oklahoma. There's some weird uh, legislator that, that they have to go through, so it's not going to be in effect immediately or right away, but it will. It will end up. Michigan is going to be on the list of the states that have a widespread ban, a blanket ban uh, from this overturn. And the question becomes... Like, how how do how do I respond to the women who feel like they are like? How do I respond to the women who feel like all of their rights are being taken away? How how do I properly approach? Because I can't change this. All all I can do is sit back and watch our country completely become more divisive and more hate speech. And it's not about understanding. Like I, I stand on top of this mountain and I look to the right and I see one camp and I look to the left and see the other camp. Neither camp sees each other and they both laugh at each other for their vantage point. And I'm like, neither of you guys are actually seeing what you're doing, but how can I respond? How can I respond to those who feel like their rights are being taken away? Because there's no response to the, there's no response to the conservative approach to this that is that is appropriate. Like everything about this entire idea of blanket bans is so incredibly harmful. No good will come from this. Zero good. And like there is not a case that you can bring to me that, that will tell me. And I'm sure somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, they, this person hadn't he was gonna get an abortion, and now look at them, they're 37 and 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 doing the the will of the Lord." No, there's there's no good that can come from removing choice from people that don't have a choice already. Mm-hmm. So, look how how do I how do I go about? Is your is your question rhetorical? Well, or do kind you want, of, but do you I want an answer. I, well, I kind of want rhetoric here. Like, okay. I, I kind of want, want rhetoric. I'll give you rhetoric. <laughs> this is one thing I can do. I, I kind of want dialogue here because yeah. I like for those that are even listening. For, for those that are, um, 
for those that are, are are diving into this conversation, like I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about all this. I mean, I know where I stand. I know, I know that that the the evil that lies behind the conservative viewpoint of uh, of abortion. I'm not talking on a low level. I'm not talking about the people listening to this. I'm talking about people that are writing legislator, that are controlling the votes. That's so much evil up there. There's really good people. Really, really good, like salt of the earth people that fully believe that abortion should be completely banned. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the implications of what it does to widespread uh, to to the human population. They just don't understand. So how how do how do I mm-hmm. like how do I respond? Like like what what, what do we do? Yeah. So. Um... Good question, and I don't have a perfect answer, but I have an opinion about what can be done, Give me your or what opinion. can be said, or what can be. So obviously, um, no, there's no right now in mine and Mark's life. There are no women in a position, probably coming to us and saying, "Oh my God, I need to have an abortion, but I can't." Right, but right. but what you say, what you can do, is. Um, look at the things that move the needle toward progress for people, toward progress for humans. And I don't just mean like vote Democrat. That's not what I mean by that. Um, it's kind of what I mean by that, though, if I'm on it. Like, you know. Um, I disagree, but that's fine. So I, I think that what you can do is is support and advocate for people to move toward a world where more people have more rights and where more people um, have more health care and where more people have more means um, to be able to take care of themselves because that's really the issue here really the issue the vast majority of women who need an abortion they get they need an abortion because they don't have the means um, to take care of a family or to have birth control in the first place or you know that they're in a position where they don't have what they need um, and so if you advocate for um, policies and um, a, a life where people have more means and and have more of what they need to support a family and more of what they need um, to grow as people and humans, then that is the answer, right? We can't, obviously, you and I can't do anything about this, and it's a frustrating situation, but what we can, you know, we can control what we put out into the world and what we, um, what we try to move the needle toward. And I, I am a firm believer that we can move the needle and should move the needle toward more people having more, which I think, you know, happens when we come together as a society and start to see that things about our healthcare are really fucked up and need to change things about, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. I just think that the, what you do instead of, you know, you, instead of even necessarily protesting, protesting is good. You know, it, it brings awareness to things, but w- what we can control and what we can do and what we can put out into the world is a movement toward, um, toward progress and toward people having more means toward people with less getting more. And, um, again, I'm not saying that that always happens because you put, you know, one person in office over the other, but, um, here's an example. Um, 
I used to have a view on race that was racism's dead. Racism's not even a thing. It's not a problem. Everyone's the same. Everyone's good. Why are we talking? Why are we still talking about this? This was um, back when, oh, shit. Um, uh, Trayvon Martin was killed. Um, And people I worked with, um, one specific guy I worked with named Dwayne, um, I was having a conversation with him about it. And I started to see and started to realize, based on his life experience, when I paid more attention to it, that I may not have the whole picture because I don't, I don't see the world through his point of view. And then I started to try harder to be more empathetic and see the world through his and other people's point of view. And then my viewpoint changed when I did that. And I don't. I'm not. Um, I believe that we change the world through the conversations that we have with people and um, the way that I was changed, right? The way I was changed was through having conversations with the people around me, the people in my community, starting to see what they had to say and understand their point of view in a way that I didn't have the perspective to understand. Um, so I think that's what we do. We have those conversations and we don't, you don't change things by trying to force it you change things by sharing perspective and showing that being open to new perspectives uh is okay it's okay to listen and it's okay to love people who don't think like you think um i think that's what you do you you move the needle by uh engaging and sharing your perspective and understanding other people's perspective and i think um, that moved me in, in a significant way years ago. And um, still today, I, I try to understand where people are coming from. And I think that's what you do. You don't, you know, yeah, write your congressman. That's helpful because they have their pockets lined with, you know, uh, you, that nothing we do makes a difference in that sense. I really don't think it does. I think we're fucked. I, really, the answer, Mark, and what you, you should just reset the simulation. You know, hopefully this whole thing just gets blown up. We're obviously moving toward a climax of some kind. You think so? Yeah. What does that climax look like? I don't know. Um, I heard someone talking recently on a podcast about simulation theory, and their idea was something about when you sleep, it's like rendering. Like, have you ever, you've edited video before, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I've edited video and you have to render, like you, you know, at least you did years ago when I edited video, you had, you would work on it. You would kind of move things and clips here and there and you would cut things and you would move your sound. But every, every so often you had to render the video. um, It basically solidifies the changes you've made in order for you to watch it smoothly. Yeah. So I think, I'm, I think this guy's point and i kind of i'm kind of on board with this something about sleep um is similar to this theory to this idea of like rendering are we talking about simulation theory yeah we, we just lateraled over <laughs> yeah you, i want i want to point We're, out you got you lateraled us over yeah not me not me this time uh <laughs> i'm just running out of things to say about abortion i don't know what to say it's this whole thing sucks it sucks man i don't know the answer i just think you know 
I think the world changes because we love each other more. And well, you just spoke really quick, really super. I mean, what you just said is the foundation of what the conservative party did in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. What happened to you was you were emotionally shifted Mm -hmm. because you were personally connected. Yeah. They, what happened was there was a shift in your emotion and when you can emotionally attach to something or someone that changes you almost more than anything else. And those that are in power know that if they can appeal to your emotion, then they can change your mind. I don't know that the, the change that I went through necessarily aligned me with one political party. No, or no, no, another. no, no. It wasn't like that. No, no I'm it's saying like, it's the concept, mm-hmm. the, the principle behind it. Yeah. Like if you can appeal to somebody's emotional, then you can, you can manipulate their mind. That's mm-hmm. guided change. And that's what happens. So, it, what what happened to you when you when he changed your mind without even you knowing mm-hmm. it's because he was appealing to an emotional response that you had um and that's i mean that is that that's like uh policy writing 101 is how can we appeal to their emotion so we get their vote mm-hmm. and uh in some things it's super easy like it you know there's a left and a right super clearly because you can appeal to one's emotional uh, advantage point, which is life and religion, and the other, which is uh, rights and humanity, mm-hmm. and um, both would say both are por- are important, but only you're going to vote for one over the other, and that shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. And as far as sleep rendering, I don't like Danny. I think it's stupid. Really? <laughs> so you've had? No. Dream- I mean, that's the thing, man. Like dreams, you don't remember so much of it. And I, it's it's I don't it, know. There's, it's a cool concept. I don't, I would want to listen to his idea in full. I've had but weird, like I'm so deep the in, bad Christian podcast. I've talked a lot about the bad Christian podcast. I'm so I'm so guys. deep into this that mm-hmm. when when people start talking about the simulation theory, I I entertain their thoughts briefly. Oh, the, when I, the peasants I, when the peasants start talking about it, and then you're like, it, right? Uh, yeah, and, you're and talking then, to an expert. Well, this not is, not an expert by any means. Tell me your I'm, little little theory <laughs> about your, this. Your little brain Whoa. idea. Well, I mean, <laughs> came I mean, up with that, huh? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, really, when people talk about it, it's it's just an idea. Like, there's it's not based in any type of um, empiricism, and a lot of what I'm dealing with is empirically backed. That's why. So the the whole dream rendering, what we're doing is we're taking something that we are familiar with and we're projecting it into something. Okay, that maybe not hold rendering. On, hold on. Okay, go ahead. We're we're taking an idea that we know mm-hmm. and we're projecting onto something that we don't mm-hmm. in order to try to understand something that we never will, which but is I, what we always do with everything. I think it's I think it's reasonable to say to think that um, if we are in a simulation, then. Um, the technology that we are aware of and have developed and are using right now might be parallel to how the a type of technology that's running our simulation would work. So rendering, the whole idea of rendering, you know, forget that it's rendering and and let's just say I understand the there's something that happens. I think when I can see or theorize when we're sleeping that is somehow connected to I do think sleeping how, is interesting how the simulation works I, I have a whole chapter on sleeping I think it's in dreaming I think it's a really interesting concept um, as far as 
um, the idea that an advanced civilization creating a simulation to which projects projected onto what we are currently in for us to even project our understandings onto what's going on there is reducing the idea of what the advanced civilization could be. I mean, we have no idea what or who or why this is running if it is running. And for us to project our reality onto them and saying, Oh, this is why we sleep is, is undermining the value of what they are Hmm. or could be. Have you ever thought of like, what if, what if the creators of the simulation are really dumb (laughs) and there's like one really smart guy who was like, I know I figured out a way to make, you know, this thing. Yeah. And like, and somehow he, he got it just right. (laughs) And, and, uh, yeah, that's a fun idea. But they're really not like an advanced, like they're really advanced enough to create the simulation. Well, no, just like one guy did it. Like, you know, just Fred. Yeah. Not Fred, like Albert Einstein, like, you know, whoever, like the smartest guy, you know, in that civilization. All right, people go vote. (sighs) Oh, we were going to talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard tonight too. Fucking ridiculous what they're going through, dude. But I'm there for every minute of it. Really? It's Are you watching? It? No, I'm not like really every minute. But there's a lot of funny, you know. There's a lot of juicy good stuff. Gotta do a, a a quick cliff notes on it. I'm not read up enough. I just know that like it's fun to watch. Um, it's fun to watch Johnny Depp in a real court of law acting, <laughs> and like it's fun, <laughs> you know, like he knows what he's doing. Um, I don't have an opinion. I don't know the case. I don't. I don't really know. I just know that. Um, it's well, but, I mean, he's, he's as magnetic to watch in oh, court yeah. as he is in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yeah, I mean, basically, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp got married in like 2015, and then 15 months later in 2016 they filed for a divorce, and then like two years later there was an op-ed in the Rolling Stones or in People magazine or something that said she was claiming I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like uh, a lawsuit or anything. It was it was an op-ed, and um, that's when Johnny Depp filed for defamation of character, and it didn't even happen for a few years later. So we we are seeing the fallout of, and it was like his face and name was smeared. Like, yeah, he lost he lost the Pirates of the Caribbean. He franchise. lost everything. Yeah. He lost, um, and his, his doing the fantastic beast franchise. He was doing, you know, he had a lot going on and he's, you know, it, yeah, and, it fucked him up. He and got, he got me too'd. And again, I don't have a, an it was right in that me too. Maybe, movement. maybe yep. he really did suck. You know, I don't know. Well, it's so what, so what's coming out kind of likely, this? but <laughs> well, what, what's coming out from this sounds is, like she's kind of, I just don't know. Well, I don't know. so what's coming out from this since then, um, and kind of the whole microcosm of this entire thing was a recording that she said, um, and basically, uh, he is a he is a survivor of domestic abuse because she is the one that said, "You can say this," and it was on a recording. It's it's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, Amber Heard's uh, attorneys are a joke. <laughs> It's fun. That's the best part is like when like the, he objected to his own 
went to his own thing. Like he he asked a question, she started talking, and then he said objection. And everyone was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, oh. it's fun to watch. Um, oh yeah, it's- not as I'd so like the uh, the Derek. Um, I don't even remember his name now. Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, who killed George Floyd. Oh, okay, he's the cop. I watched that trial. I watched every minute of it. I watched the whole thing. That was that was really engaging. That was really good. I watched zero minutes of that one. Have you ever seen Making a Murderer? Yeah, I think so. I watched the entire Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Oh, see, I didn't watch Kyle every Rittenhouse. every minute of that. Yeah, I, I wasn't that interested. was wild. Mm. Um, basically, uh, as far as the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, it's about that that trial's it's half it's half over, mm-hmm. and in, as long as it proceeds without some kind of a bombshell from the herd uh, attorneys, it's looking like um, John, he's, he's gonna win. Yeah, he's gonna win with his. Uh, he has filed for a hundred million dollar lawsuit against her for defamation mm-hmm. of character, and it's looking like he's gonna. The public win seems point. to seems to favor him too. You know, which is good. Good for him. You know, people like him. The, the public loves Johnny Depp at mm-hmm. this point um, because they're realizing she was a terrible person, and he didn't. He didn't beat her like she said that he did at first, mm-hmm. um, and she ended up beating him a whole ton, and so it was really bad. Um, but I don't have a. I don't have a real strong opinion on what's going on with that. I mm. just. Yeah. Like it pops up in my TikTok occasionally and and with the funny music and Johnny Depp laughing at <laughs> the objections and all that kind of stuff. It's funny. It's it's fun to watch. I feel terrible for what they what he has had to go through. Um I feel terrible for him. Like that sucks. Yeah, I bet it sucks as he's counting his money and you know <laughs> living on his private island i feel i have a real hard time feeling bad for any any super rich people about anything rich people hurt too bro yeah yeah they can go cry into a pool of money (laughs) wipe their tears with their money yeah i guess so anything else you want to talk about nah nah Mm. go go buy my book when i'm done you're gonna make me buy a copy of your book. Not you, the people listening. Oh, okay. asshole! <laughs> I I have like a six percent chance that you're gonna read that thing. That I'm gonna read it. Yeah. Why would you think that? My best friend writes a book, and I'm like, nah. You're gonna be like, I'm I'm not you're gonna buy ten copies, and it's just gonna sit on your coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna read your book, Mark. Oh, well, I, but what if it changes you? Well, yeah, you've said that before. I don't. Uh, I don't know if I agree with your line of thinking that reading a book can, you know, all of a sudden. I mean, I'm sure it's a good book, but com- like that's ego but, talking. But what like, if it changes? My you, book bro? is gonna change you. No, it's not my book. Yeah, it's uh, the information. What if it changes? You? It's all empiric. It's all empirical. I watched that uh, Zeitgeist movie. Is that what it is? Zeitgeist. There's three of them. That's such a great eh, series. Eh. That really it's so great. didn't but really make an impact. You have to watch it at a time where you're questioning things. Mm. And if you do, like that, I watched it when I was going through a deconstruction, and I was like, it wrecked me. There's a movie. I'm going to look it up as I'm talking. I watched the second one first, Psychos 2, and then I went back and watched the first one, and I was like, 
life changed through that. That was so cool. Highly recommend. Go watch Zeitgeist 1, 2, and 3. I think it's on like Netflix. Or not Netflix. It's on YouTube for free. It's it's so cool. Um, but it'll it'll if you're religious in, in questioning, like if you're questioning your your religion, it'll it'll wreck you. So my memory of this is pretty poor because it was a long time ago, but um, I watched this movie or started to watch um, Bill Maher movie called R- Religious. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and at the time when I watched it, I was really still pretty deep in evangelicalism and uh, I got mad. I was watching it like angry, like fuck you, Bill Maher, you know, like really mad. Fuck you, Bill Maher. Um, but that probably looking back, that probably planted a lot of seeds for deconstruction for, you know, but I mean, I just don't, I don't know, man. I don't think your book, again, I love you. I'm sure it's great. You're going to, you're going to do book, a good job. It's going to be a I'm powerful book. I'm sure it's going to be a great book. It's going to be a great book. I ain't going to fucking touch me. I'm just saying like, I don't know that, you know, you can say, oh yeah, if you I read just, this, your life is going to change. No, for, I, I, mean, I didn't say maybe it's going to. I said, what if it does? That was my question is what if it does? Yeah. Because it's going to for some people. And just the process of writing, it's like taking me down a journey that I never expected ever, ever, ever. Like the things I'm learning about myself and about this reality that we're living in is just so mind blowingly wild and ridiculous. And I just, it's hard to wrap my mind around everything right now. Mm. Um, I also, I was talking to somebody, I think I was uh, telling you about this um, over the phone. Like I feel like there's a lot of um, authenticism uh, in the world we live. Like I can be really authentic, but it's hard to be original with anything. Um, I mean, because you think everything you know right now has been taught to you. Even these words that you're hearing, uh, you look around the room. That's a clock. How do you know somebody taught you that was a clock? And those are the the hands of the clock and the face of the clock. How do you know? Because somebody taught you those things. Like. I can authentically create a painting, but we've been taught how to paint, right? Like there's a difference between authenticity and originality. And there's very few things that are original. And I started thinking like halfway through what I'm writing right now. So probably like a month ago, um, I was like, this feels like an original thought. Like this is the, I think this, this is the first time in my life that I've had an original thought about anything that it's completely mine. And no one has planted this and it makes me feel a little crazy because I'm like, this is the wildest stuff that I've ever thought. And then I, and I'm allowing my brain when I get to a place and I'm writing and expounding on that idea and that concept, I'm allow, I allow my brain to go down those various avenues, even further down rabbit trails. I'm like, wonder where this leads. And I'm like, I, it almost feels like I, at first I was like, I'm, my brain is thinking these things and it all, then it, it's, it's been shifted since then. It almost feels like I'm being fed these ideas. Mm. And that's the crazy part. Cause I'm like, there's no way I could come up with this stuff. This mm-hmm. is, this stuff is nuts. But I, I, I also wonder if this is what like some of the people that have created ideas and concepts and principles also felt like they felt a little crazy mm-hmm. because I feel crazy. I can relate to that. Like the, the idea of having an original, an original thought. We did yeah. have this conversation once, I think on, on an episode and, um, but what it makes me think of, 
and how I can relate to that is through like if you pick up you and I are both musicians we can pick up a guitar and you kind of just naturally or play on a piano or whatever you kind of just if you just do that you play a certain way or do things a certain way or you have you know you'll you'll kind of always do the same or similar things correct um and what i noticed years ago i was in a phase where i smoked a lot of weed um when i lived in florida and um i would play music and i always thought like well this is how great songwriters do this right they get really high and then they then they play music but i did notice probably what i that's played how I, that's how i wrote come down yeah <laughs> it's just baked on in the back of the interface uh uh van. suv van yeah. um but i you know probably what i played when i got really baked was not great you know i don't know and oh, then i never really captured any of it but I did notice that I would do things completely different than how, like, I don't know how else to explain it. I think you understand what I mean when you, if you sit down at a piano and you play it or you pick up a guitar, you play it, you just kind of, it feels a certain way. It feels familiar in, in a certain way to you and your brain has wired connections to yeah. do what you're going to do. But all of that was, would be different. Like if, if I was, you know, really high and, yeah. and I would play things or play in ways that were not like I would ever normally play. And, yeah. and that felt more creative, you know, and so probably that led to, you know, songs I wrote or whatever that, well, that give were, you... felt more original to me because the wiring, and I don't understand the chemical process that happened because of marijuana and how that's related, but somehow the wiring felt different. The, the connection that I had yeah. to the, that my brain had to the instrument I was playing felt different and, and well, it worked there's probably There's probably some, some neurological uh, explanation on how that happens. Um, but to give you an example of how even further this feels is I, I, know, what if, I know what you're talking about, the concept you're talking about. And let, let's just keep it in musical terms. Um, even if I am on an ayahuasca trip or crazy mushrooms or acid and I have the guitar in my hand, I still know chords mm -hmm. and those chords were taught to me mm -hmm. and the guitar was taught to me. Um, you're still in the realm mm -hmm. of something that has been taught. What I feel like the, the avenue I'm going down, I feel like I'm, making a new instrument that's never been made before. And there's not strings or pads or percussion. It's something that no one's ever heard or seen or felt before. That's what I feel. Mm. And it's wild because I, it feels like nothing I've ever felt before. I mean, I'm teaching myself how to learn these things. Like I'm like, no one's teaching me this. Like I'm teaching myself brand new things and it's weird it's 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 just strange the whole concept is strange um when's your book gonna be done no i have no idea mm. if i if i push and hurry i think i can get a rough draft done before the end of the year um but then it's gonna be a long editing process because there's just so much content <laughs> it's so much i think i'm just gonna turn it into a documentary and just say fuck it it's too much. It's too much to read. It's so dense. Like, 
I don't even know if there's a topic that I find interesting that I don't cover in the book. I mean, we talk about everything from like Paleolithic uh, archaeology um, to biomimicry. It's like we talk about fucking everything in the book, man. Also, the language. I say we. We talk about it. I don't know why I say that. I've always I've started saying it, and I'm like, yeah, of course we talk about that. Hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're excited to release it. <laughs> we all look forward to reading it. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna sell like seven copies, and six of them are gonna be to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting journey. This next year is gonna be interesting. Um, all right, let's wrap it. Okay. Hour and 40 minutes. Feels good. Mm-hmm. If anyone is even still listening, I have 0% chance that's happening. Probably not. Probably no. just Chrissy. <laughs> no, I bet Jen is listening for <laughs> sure. Um, and Deborah, she always listens to these. And Ben, Ben listens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like three people, I think. That's probably it. All right. We should do a challenge. If you make it to this point, in this yep. episode and you reach out to Mark or I and let us know that you heard this yep. statement. Um, I'll buy you a coffee. Yeah. I'll, uh, I don't know if I'm going to buy you anything, but I'll post, <laughs> we'll post your name. Oh, you know, we could do like a name drop on our social media oh, yeah. stuff Name drop and like name drop you and thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, personally, we'll do that. We'll tag you. Um, send us a picture of your face. Oh, I know. We'll post your picture. I'll buy you a coffee and we'll do a 15 minute podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good idea. Anyone who makes it, you get a guest appearance on the show. Guest appearance. We'll, we'll, we'll zoom you in. Yep. Um, and we'll, uh, have a conversation with you about whatever you want to talk about. Yep. And if anything, and if you're in, if you're like in the Michigan area, then we'll meet you at a coffee shop. Maybe. (laughs) I will. Maybe. Ashland will. I probably won't. (laughs) All right, everybody. All right.